When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. I'm feeling especially jazzed having just listened to Phil Collins' classic in the air tonight twice in a row to prepare myself for coming on the microphone. You know, it's this weird kind of boxed-in, random Wednesday evening, uh, like getting a bit darker, whatever. You don't want to hear about that. You don't want to hear about that at all. You want to hear about this, because this is next up in our track-by-track album breakdown series. Very, very special standalone episodes that we're doing. The first one featured the Mighty Pillow Queens. Their debut album, In Waiting, which is excellent, by the way, is out now. As is the related episode, should be in your podcast feed, so if you've somehow missed that episode, if you've somehow missed the album, definitely go back and check them out. But now, we're here to focus on the one, the only, Alva Reddy. You may recall Alva appearing on the show at the beginning of July when lead single Time Difference was doing the rounds, and so you may well be like, well, it's a bit early to have her back on the show, Dave. And listen, the thing is, her own resulting debut album, Personal History, is worthy of its own considered conversation, and so that's what we did. As the title suggests, this record represents something of a life diary for Alva, capturing all kinds of painfully familiar emotions along the way. But what I really, really love about this one is that she's really got the balance just right. I think it's a challenge for any singer-songwriter, especially ones that trade in a blend of folk and indie the way Alva does, to kind of stand out from what is quite a large and growing congregation, but she absolutely does. Personal History is a quickly captivating work, bolstered by its author's honesty, conviction, and clever wit. 
As with the Pillow Queens episode, the agenda here was quite simple. Use the songs as bullet points and see what kind of conversation results from going through them one by one. I greatly enjoyed listening to what Alva had to say over this hour, so give it a whirl. Get on the debut album Personal History right after and stay tuned to No Encore for more episodes in this format as and when they happen. Can't you So that is track one on personal history, failing. I mean, like I spoke to you a couple months ago. You recorded this album a while ago, right? So you've been sitting on it for quite a while. Yeah, I recorded it last summer. So, so yeah. in that regard, how vital has patience been to just wait this entire time to put it out? Uh, it's I've actually learned the value of it because I am usually have always been a thing. I was like, I just want to record stuff and put it out as soon as possible. And that is a rookie, rookie mistake. You need to bide your time and have a proper plan. I was planning to have it out earlier in the year, but obviously because of everything, it was delayed even more. But um, yeah, patience is something I learned with this album is that I have to, because that song actually is, I think it's the oldest track on it. Uh, I wrote that in like the summer of 2017. So that's like the oldest one. Do you feel like the album overall kind of lends itself to a more autumnal time of year or is that just like... <laughs> well, I think Between Your Teeth, the last single is kind of summer road trip vibes, even though that's not what it's about. But uh, I did write it while I was sitting on a train. But um, yeah, no, there's some parts that are from different things. Uh, but yes, October 2nd, the most autumnal record you've ever heard. Is um, is riding on a train especially boozy or bougie slash romantic or is it just kind of like awkward to do? I've, well, as in I was just, you know, writing, scribbling little lyrics on an open, which I often do. Um especially if you have no uh, phone coverage to distract yourself with for ages. Uh, that's something I do a lot. I think I spent, uh, in like 2018, I spent like just an incredible amount of time on trains because I did a t- tour in the UK where I did everything on a train. I think I took like 40 trains in about a month and a half, so quite intense. I've done my time. I like a train. I, I find that they're a bit too expensive though for my They're blood. lovely. They're yeah. grand in the UK. All right. Okay. In Ireland, they're insane. I rarely take them here, if ever. I'm not in years, but I have taken loads of trains in the UK because it's like ten pounds to go to Dover or whatever, and it's just really, really handy. Upper middle class hobby over here. Um, yeah. so the track is called Failing. Uh, is the concept of failure something that seeps into your brain quite often, or never, or is this something you struggle with? Um, I think it's uh, like the album overall is talking about just different experiences going from your kind of early twenties to your late twenties, and failure is kind of a big part of that. Like learning how to fail or at times maybe thinking that you're failing in every relationship, whether it's failing as like a daughter or a sister or a girlfriend or whatever. So with regards to the, I guess, the musicality of the track, like it's a very anthemic kind of punchy number to kick things off. Um, I, when I was talking to Pillow Queens, like I was like, was it important to have a big closer on their record? And they were like, straight away, they were like, absolutely, that was the point. I mean, like with regards to starting this album for you, was it necessary to really kind of just punch through straight away? Yeah, um, especially that intro, the jing, 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 something I kind of came up with in studio to do as like an interesting, but I didn't know I was going to put it first. I had another idea for first when I was recording the record and then afterwards that became an obvious opener and it also kind of starts you out at the lowest point, which is failure. (laughs) And it's also the oldest song, so it felt like chronologically it just made sense to have that at the start. (laughs) 
I guess this is something that probably like radio people do all the time, but how often do you find yourself in a setting like this where like you're hearing your track in like a snippet form and it's just kind of like, yeah, ground, just like chill. Is that like, uh, like is that weird? Like, or? It's kind of nice because you don't have to examine it too much. You're kind of like, oh, there's a bit of a groove there. So it, there's like a, you kind of just get to enjoy it as like a little snippet of something. It doesn't feel as, uh, usually when I'm listening back to the album now. I'm like, is there anything wrong with that thing that I've sent off? So it's kind of nice to listen to it knowing that it's all squared off. Yeah, <laughs> it's encased in concrete now at this stage. Yeah, are if there you, are mistakes, um, they're there forever. Are you a particularly loyal person, already? I would say so, yeah. That that song, like the lyrical content is kind of tongue-in-cheek, is that um, I suppose <laughs> we all would call ourselves loyal, but sometimes we do things that are very opposite to that. Um, so that was the kind of idea for the song, was like everybody says that about themselves, but how loyal actually am I and how loyal am I when I say that I'm loyal to somebody ever, ever you know you say you're loyal to someone that you're going out with and then you know a year later you completely forget about them if you break up so <laughs> have you ever done like a, an audit of yourself in this regard or even been confronted by it by other people definitely yeah of course I think it's important to and I think songwriting kind of facilitates that a bit I started writing that song kind of based off that idea and then was kind of thinking about things I did and was like oh that wasn't the best actually <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we won't get into like specifics or anything. Yeah. Um, but how important is loyalty, I guess, as part of the human condition, would you suggest? Yeah, it's one of the most important things because I think if you commit any amount of time to somebody, you, you develop some sort of loyalty or connection with them. Um, I'd be very loyal to like any of my old friends. I think I'm a, I take loyalty pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, any, everyone hates the feeling of kind of betrayal or whatever. If somebody, you hear a friend has said something mean about you behind your back or whatever, it really stings, <laughs> you know? I've always kind of thought of it as this very like almost small town Irish thing of like, because you hear like the phrase like, oh, true colours, you know, like mm. all the time. And it's just this weird like, oh, like someone obviously like fucking backtalk somebody and that's <laughs> the end of that relationship forever. Yeah, yeah. I also think like, I always get that feeling if you're with a group of people and they start talking about someone you're friends with in a negative light. I always, it makes me feel a bit like sick in my tummy that you feel like disloyal if you don't kind of jump to their defence and that's a hard thing to do. I yeah. think that's a massive thing at loyalty, that kind of little feeling of like... I should be defending this person. But I can because of awkward social context. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, this probably translates as well to like being loyal to your own work, being loyal to pursuing, especially a solo. Yeah, career. yeah. Like, is there ever been kind of, because I do want to, I, like I was going to say that on this track as well, this kind of, you know, veers from solo acoustic sounds to more of a band sound, which is mm. here and there on the record. Um, has there ever been a moment where you're like, oh, I should just go full band? Like, I mean, like, or is this a case? Yeah, of loads of times. I also love working with people. Um and have in professional settings been loyal to a fault where I'm actually just an idiot and I've <laughs> like put up with things for too long from people. Uh, I'm sure they're well-meaning or whatever. That's not me talking about anybody in particular, but, you know, that, that sometimes happens. But, um, yeah, loads of times because it's so much nicer. I often look at Pillow Queens and Bitch Falcon and all those bands and I'm like, oh, it'll be so nice to just be working with people. But I'm not really on my own. Like, I have great management and all that kind of stuff, so it doesn't really feel like I'm on my own anymore, really. Yeah. Are you at a stage, though, in terms of, like, as a writer, are you at a stage now where you're like, I'm very comfortable with this being entirely mine. I wouldn't necessarily want to share it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I, because I always wrote on my own, I kind of 
even from being a teenager, I, I, I wanted to be in a band when I was a teenager, but it just, I didn't know anybody and I was super, super, super shy. So I would never have put myself out there to be in a band. Um, most people I kind of grew up with didn't know I played music. So I, I always wanted to be a band and it just so happened I ended up kind of going it alone. Uh, and now that's the most comfortable thing. But I still love collaborating with people and I still like work with, I, I still play with a band. And they're usually people that I'm like super friendly with and comfortable with is what I'm kind of happiest doing. Twisting railway lines Coming back I'm feeling like I think too much I think for both of us I can't hide it anymore Just to hold her On the bathroom floor Wait till it's Track three, it's between your teeth. You said it was one of the earliest tracks that you had here, or like one of the oldest tracks that there is. Failing is the oldest track, and then between your teeth was written in 2018. Yeah. Is there ever any kind of? I mean, like, what makes you hold on to something for X amount of time? I mean, is it a case of well, that's definitely there, like it's concrete and it's in. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, it it very much ranges. Like sometimes you hold on to things because other people say it's good. Sometimes you hold on to things that no one else really cares about, but you're like, no, this is. I know this works. And other times you hold on, like this, the reason I held on to this was very much just, I really liked that little guitar riff. Mm. It was quite a shallow reason. (laughs) Have you had to have any kind of like, whether it's just with friends or management or other musicians or just even your own brain, I suppose, any kind of particular conflict with regards to going in a certain direction, Mm. like like settling on a style or anything? Yeah, definitely. Um, Like I released my first EP in 2016 and that did uh, reasonably well. And I think that that is that style of that first EP is probably the closest to the album and everything I released in between was quite confused music because I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go or what direction I should go and then I I came to the album and I was like I just kind of want to do what I think is best for me which was the sound that I kind of settled on with the album which I think is actually still quite close something that's like folky with a bit of indie rock as well because that's what I grew up listening to so it makes sense for me. I mean, so if you're reading your own press, like, do you read your own press? Is this like a thing that you pay attention to? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's not that much of it to keep track of, but I, I read a bit of it, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself like being kind of given a sound like or a, a genre term that you were like, no, that's not me at all? <laughs> well, I'm just, sometimes I'm surprised. I kept being told that um, when I was sending the demos for this album around to people, they kept being like, oh, it's kind of like Julia Jacqueline. And I was like, oh, I had never listened to her before. And actually, when I finished recording the album, with uh, Tommy in Ireland in Donegal, I was driving back and that album, Crushing, came on and I was like, well, I hope it sounds like that because that album's unreal. <laughs> like, usually it's a compliment. All the people that you'd be re- compared to are usually people who are extremely successful. Uh, so, yeah, and there's been a few, Camera Obscura for time difference, but a lot of people said that and I was like, I didn't expect that, but like, they're deadly. Mm, so, mm. sweet. I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, band sound again, once again, coming to the fore. You mentioned in school that you're too shy to, to form one or be in one. If you had have overcome that kind of shyness in school, what kind of band do you think you would have been in? Probably like kind of indie rock, because that's what I was always into. Um, but I was kind of scared of drums then for years, because, you know, you'd pl- once you've played with like a bad drummer, you're like, this is terrifying. <laughs> It's going to really destroy a gig. But uh, yeah, I think something kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, like as a drummer who's played a few gigs and they haven't all gone great, I can, <laughs> I can only sit here and wince as you say that because I'm like, yeah, there's truth in that. Like, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. But, uh, well, especially as a singer, you're like, 
oh my God, who's trying to keep in like in time with who? <laughs> yeah, I remember listening to like an old gig that we did back in the day and it was, we recorded it because, you know, obviously we were like, we need to record this for whatever reason. Yeah. And I remember just like hearing it back and being like, whoa, I'm playing so fast. I'm playing so out of time here. This is a disgrace. I was just so, I think it was just adrenaline. I was just like, yeah. I mean, I guess, so from your, in terms of your, your kind of setup when you're on stage and everything, um, back in the glorious full gigging days. Yes. Um, oh. Have you had any notable onstage disasters? Yeah, loads, 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 loads. Like things where I remember one time playing and I had a new guitar and <laughs> I was playing Ruby Sessions and my strap, I hadn't put the strap I hadn't connected it cor- uh, correctly to the back of the guitar and uh, went through great great lengths not to say strap on there. <laughs> <laughs> then you said it. And then I said it because I was just like, there's just no way around it. Basically, didn't put the strap on right. And then uh, <laughs> it broke off in the middle of a very quiet, sad song or like halfway through it broke off, fell off. And like Ruby Sessions is so quiet, fell off and smashed my pint glass. Uh-uh. And the noise it made was, people didn't even laugh, which is worse. People were like... <gasps> It was horrible. Jesus. That was bad. I've had loads of things where if you use like a backing track, which I don't read anymore. I remember one time like a click was coming out on top of that. Another time where the gig was just playing into all of our in-ear monitors, but nothing was playing out to the crowd except for the microphone. So we were all like singing and stuff and there was no sound other than just voices and it sounded terrible, like voices and drums or something. So it sounded like muck. But sure, yeah. fucking who'd miss gigs, you know? Like, yeah, I, know. Oh, I would, I would do my worst gig again just to be back at a gig. Yeah, yeah. You, you do have, um, like, you you have a couple of sold out shows on uh, of the intimate variety. Very intimate, yeah. Is that because I again, like, I mean, I've talked to other musicians who've been like, we just can't, like, it doesn't see what we do. How are you? I guess looking forward to approaching that one because I know you're doing, you're doing back to back as well. You said you're you're going to be your own support act. Yeah, I finally get to support my musical hero. Um, I. Uh, I'll be fine. Like, I'm just excited to do a gig again. And people are excited to be there. So that's perfect for me. I'm happy to do it, whatever. We're just going to do a three-piece and keep it nice and tidy. And we're doing one show at 7 p.m. and one at 9. Easiest shows ever to sell out. <laughs> yeah, there's no guest list this time, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah. A few people were like, oh, are there any tickets going? People who are, like, obviously friends of mine who are used to getting guest lists. I was like, no, sorry, I have no control over this. Yeah, yeah these are different times. And listen, I'm someone who, like, abuses my guest list privileges. Me too. But right now, you can't. You can't be that yeah. prick. Like, yeah, yeah. No problem, man. Sneak in the back, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be walking away with about 20 euro after this. So, like, yeah. I know it's getting late. There must be. Something wrong if you refuse to stay This this is a mistake That is Walk Away, and it is gorgeous. Uh, the, your voice in it almost kind of burrows into your brain in an earphone mix, particularly like with in-ears. Like it's just like, it's 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 almost like it's specifically trying to warn you about something or whatever. So yeah, there's kind of a faithfulness to it. Okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> burrows into your brain. Oh, in like yeah, it's very close. Yeah, not like that, it feels like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of even like I guess the whole arrangement is that it has that kind of vibe to it. And there's I think there's like at least to get technical for a second, like is there like a panning in this one? Because I think like there's almost like you're on the right, and then like the click is on the like the snare drum is on the left or whatever. Just... Yeah, we kind of did a few kind of interesting things with the vocal, and especially kept it like super dry and close the whole way through. So 
that was something that we kind of tried to keep it very intimate because it's actually the piano and it is from the day that it was written and we recorded it in a studio in London and we actually just kept the original piano because it was so nice and the original kind of stomp and clap that we did in the room that day so that was it was that's kind of the most unusual one on the record in that sense it's about as Mumford and Sons as you get in, the, <laughs> in that variety yes so yeah that's my main aim yeah which thankfully is not much at all yeah <laughs> um, perfect I guess in the spirit of the song title like uh, what is the hardest thing you've ever had to walk away from jeez mm. yeah I suppose you know a few relationships here and there that were tough to walk away from just a few people in the past they had to walk away from at certain points ouch yeah so it was written about that, just being like, you've got to kind of cut your losses here and just get out. Yeah, I've always wondered about like songs and like obviously the songs are going to fucking live forever. So, but you know, you're moving on in life and you're becoming a different person. Mm. You're experiencing different relationships and so on. Like, do you almost have to like treat this as like characters in a fucking film in order to not get too wrapped up in the emotion of it? Or is it important to actually confront the emotion of it, especially when playing it live? I think it's important to confront the emotion. Like some of the songs that are still on the record and it takes you a long time to kind of not be a bit sore and then by the time you've performed them a gazillion times you don't feel sad that song ha- still makes me a bit sad just because that's that feeling of like I think especially in relationships where there's nothing really obviously terrible about them it's very hard hard to walk away and it does feel like you're making a massive mistake doing it even though I, mean, I don't know if that's how other people feel but unless something terrible has happened or one person has been terrible to other when you end it it feels like a mistake even though you both kind of know it's the only option yeah that's what it's kind of about and eventually you get to a point where you've performed it a million times and it shouldn't really hurt anymore but yeah are there any songs that you have that like you can you're fucking hear them in your sleep like you're just like it's just it's there it's always there whenever i'm writing a or is it like of my own or Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah whenever i'm writing a song it's like it stays in my head. It's like when I'm trying to figure out a puzzle and it just stays there until I've like cracked cracked it in some way. Are you the kind of person who wake up at like four in the morning and pull out your phone and make sure you get like a lyric down that you're half dreaming? Yeah, and it's actually really funny with other uh, songwriters if you like compare those like 4 a.m. recordings because it's usually just like... <laughs> and then you turn it off and you're like, I recorded something genius last night and you listen to it again and you're like, that is complete trash. Oh yeah, I mean like I've had a couple of those moments where like if I'm either trying to remember a dream or if I think of something maybe like mm. just something creatively and I'm like that's fucking amazing and it's like it's almost like those ideas you have when you're drunk. Yeah, it's this ex- I was just it's exactly that. Yeah, you're yeah. delirious. You're like, you're like this is this is genius. You're like this is gonna like be the greatest thing ever. And then the next day you're like what the fuck? Well, you're like I need to remember this. And then you listen to the next day and you're like that's just another song that exists in the world <laughs> that I obviously had in my head that I thought I created that like yeah six a.m. when I woke up. Never minded your morning breath How you got lost in your own head Cause now I'm stuck in mine instead In the aching corners of this bed Maybe I confuse lies and the truth Love and pain too In life through the album there, 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 about getting there. That's life without you. I guess following on from, I guess, the sentiment of the last song in this one, it's something on No Encore I talk about all the time and I, I've come around to the idea that maybe it's not a fair thing to put on an artist where it's like, 
I've always been like, you know, sad songs or like, you know, people who have suffered tend to make better art, you know. But then, of course, I appreciate that that's a very simplistic worldview and the likes of people like James Blake have come out and been like, well, that's not a fair thing to say. But then you get like Justin Timberlake and his I'm Happy and Married Now album and it's terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, is there any kind of truth for you in that really fucking hurt, but it it helped me become a better artist? Or is that is yeah. that is that a totally unfair thing? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's unfair. It's definitely, if you're... Who was it who said it? Maria Abramovich. Oh, she has this quote um, that says, "Happiness doesn't have to be transformed into something else." So, like, you don't make great art, maybe supposedly. Well, like, I don't think so. If you're really content, because you don't, happiness is just happiness. But if you're sad, you need to like make it a different thing. You need to make something of it, or like an artist feels compelled to. So, I think there is truth in that, just because it's very cathartic to be sad about something or for an event to happen and to be able to make something of that. If you're happy out living with your uh, wife and hus- or husband or whatever and kids and you're having a great time, that's, you've got, you've got it all sorted. You don't need to make anything of it. Um, so yeah, I think there is some truth in it for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe it's just, like, my miserablest nature, but I just tend to be more affected, I guess, by mm. something that feels like someone has had their heart ripped into, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, I always say that I don't think when someone listens to a song I've written that's sad that they immediately go, oh, I wonder what she's talking about. They think about their own life experience. Yeah. and that's So I'm always, like, happy to put out whatever is most honest out there because I'm like, if someone connects to that, they're not, they don't care about what I went through. They're connecting with it in their own way and they're attributing their own life to it and that's what's kind of nice about music at the end of the day. Is that the goal or is that like a nice, happy kind of... Byproduct. Yeah, that's the word I was going to use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, I write it just... I write it for myself and I write it because I think that it's nice and I want, it to put out, I want to put something out there that is honest, as lame as that sounds, but that I also think, you know, someone will get this. Yeah, ah, I mean, like, I don't know if it sounds lame. I guess it is that thing you're like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for the truth, you know, yeah. that people say. But again, mm. I mean, like, write what you know, I guess, you know. It's yeah, exactly. Of, um, again, I mean, like, referring to the title here, like, from the minor to the major, what could Alvaretti not live without? <laughs> pizza. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, my family, pizza, music, probably. I got asked recently, like, what is my, what are my hobbies? And I was like... I actually don't have any. You're like being a full-time musician, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly that's what, what it is. Think. Earning nothing, being <laughs> playing music. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So music would be one of the one of the big things. Hobbies is a. That's one of those questions. I think as you get older, that becomes a bit more intense. Mm. You're like, I don't fucking know. What do you do with your spare time? It's Jigsaws, like, like. And you can't just say like. TV, yeah, video games, yeah, yeah, like a loser. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Like, everyone plays video games, like, yeah. I ended up being like, I love podcasts, I love listening to podcasts, but that just also then you're like, oh, I love listening to true crime, and then you sound like a creep. Like, I don't know. true crime is big, man, everyone loves it, it's so good, but no one really wants to talk about how that's their hobby, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that like, sounds like research. Yeah, so like if I went back four years ago and I started a true crime podcast instead of a music one, we'd be in like, and like, and listen, Alan, I know you're listening, the studio is gorgeous, but we're probably in like, you know, fucking Apple HQ right now. Now, and yeah. you're signing a million dollar deal and <laughs> talking about dead people somehow and that's okay yep yep nothing like it yeah are you into true crime love it yeah I got into cereal back when that became huge like in years ago three or four years ago that was ago, like the yeah. big breakthrough podcast for me anyway um, and then I've just always kept I've listened to loads of true crime ones but I also listen to like everything I love it. It's just, it's great because I was well at one point in my life um, previous to this I travelled a lot so 
great thing for traveling and also great for long car journeys and stuff like that. I love listening. I love getting like stuck into a good podcast, even if it's about like I was driving up to Nigal last week and I listened to a great New York Times ones, New York Times one called um, "Nice White Parents," which is all about the school system in New York City. Absolutely phenomenal. I'll listen to a little podcast on pretty much anything. That is Looking Happy, a.k.a. Millennial Anxiety, the song, <laughs> I thought, you know, very, like, relatable, like, oh, yeah, just stop looking up that fucking Instagram profile, man. Yeah, yeah. Why did I do that? Total rookie mistake. Why? <laughs> but everybody does it. Yeah. Everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. I had to meet someone today. I was like, I can't mm. do this anymore. I need to just not have them there. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's, like, someone that you're just friends with or whatever that you just can't, you just can't see what they're doing because they take too many holidays. It's totally fair. <laughs> oh, yeah. That whole thing of, like, this, like, my amazing life, you know. Mm, because that's all you see on Instagram specifically or like any social media but uh, Instagram I find it's just like holidays, parties, everything like everything positive that I'm doing because why would you be like take a photo of yourself and be like I'm having a terrible day today yeah Yeah. here's a photograph of me vomiting after too many beers (laughs) yeah exactly no one does that unless you're like an edgy comedian the video (laughs) for this one which has dropped uh, very recently as the time that we're talking recording this uh, features a video it features a bouncy castle it features a college friend of mine in the form of Ross Hannon what he was in my class no way you know What what a man he's a he's a legend great bouncer yeah yeah unbelievable bouncing from him uh, I was trying to like go. Yeah, I was going through the video and I was like, "Who's really getting into this?" You got Calamore isn't there? I think. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, I, I thought I saw Sarah from Pillow Queens, but that can't be right because you guys are like arch nemesis at this stage, right? You guys. Hate yeah, you. yeah. I just it was an olive branch. I was like, "You can be in my music video." Um, that's yeah. very. That's very big of you. Yeah, I am the bigger person. I would say. Yeah, how did yeah. that all start? Because I swore you were <laughs> friends, and now it's it's taken a turn. Oh, we are. Ugh. Uh, I suppose because we're putting out albums at the same time, and obviously everyone is making the obvious Oasis versus Blur Fon- parallel. Fontaine's Cronus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the famous classic. The fl- famous feud, yeah. It's never ending. Um, <laughs> the video is cool. I mean, it follows on from like you know like time difference. It, it, there's even a fucking phone in it. it yeah, happens. little Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, but no, I guess the idea of like this whole thing of just the the pressure. Like, do you do you feel much pressure? I mean, like maybe maybe coronavirus has put paid to this, but like mm-hmm. the pressure of having an amazing time all the time and showing the world how great your life is. Yeah, I think it's more for me. It's more um, you know, it's really hard to deal with jealousy, and I think that social media really makes that more difficult because you're seeing, and even on a professional basis, you're seeing your peers do X, Y, and Z, and then you're thinking, why am I doing that? But that's not really a healthy way to look at it. Um, so I always find that it's good to deal with it by, especially if I'm like really good friends with someone, I'll be like, Sarah, I'm jealous that you're doing this. Or like, I'm so jealous you wrote this song and I didn't because it's so good. And that's a great compliment and you get to turn it into kind of a positive. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to like switch out the word jealousy for envy because somehow it sounds like... A bit better, yeah. Yeah, it just sounds a bit more formal or something. Yeah, or at least if you just like take the lid off it and make it obvious of just being like, I'm so jealous that you're doing this, but like, I'm also happy for you. Yeah. It's just... 
relieves all the tension that you felt about it. Yeah, I guess you got to kind of pull it back though. You can't be like, I covet your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything you're doing is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's very much a social media driven thing. How um how reflexive are you with social media, like, like or just in general? I mean, like, are you always scrolling, or are you able to put your phone away for extended periods of time? Oh yeah, I totally would. I I only really use um it for music related stuff. I'm not that keen on like scrolling through like TikTok or my search page or anything. I use it for reading the news. I would use my phone for like reading the news and mostly work stuff. And then I associated it so much with that kind of side of things that I. My way of relaxing is not like scrolling to my phone. It's like putting my phone in another room and watching a load of TV. Yeah. Do you get much like kind of, I guess, direct messages from randomers or? Yeah. And like, it's just like, I don't know, like in terms of getting compliments and praise from people, on the rare occasions that I get it, I'm just like, I don't know what to fucking say. I'm just like, oh yeah, cheers. I just feel like I sense they're really like so interesting. Yeah. I'm just like, it would be a lot easier if Alvaretti slid in and was like, that podcast fucking sucks, Dave. I'd be like, yeah, listen, let's have a chat about it. Like, <laughs> Look, I'm going to start doing that to you from now on. <laughs> you, got, you got a microphone right now. This can happen. That sucks. Uh, yeah. That is terrible. It's really hard to be gracious all the time when there is a... But like, I don't think anyone messages you because they're looking for something back. They're messaging you just to tell you that. So if you're just like, oh, thanks so much. That means a lot. That's yeah, but you almost feel like you have to give them something back or something. Mm, you yeah. look great too, person yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Hope you're well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I'm I'm just kind of like, thanks so much. But um, yeah, I, I, I try not to focus too much on what they w- want back because probably saying it is enough for them. Yeah. So once um, and, again, it's, and it's still really nice. Yeah. I mean, so I guess like so with the video of this, right? I mean, the song obviously is, you know, kind of up-tempo, wry, mm. you know, kind of knowing that way, kind of spiky. The Bensie Castle, though. I mean, talk to me about, like, the admin of getting a Bensie Castle. So difficult. Nightmare. Unbelievably stressful. Yeah, yeah. Did you... I actually put it up because um, I'd been talking to a woman from the Bensie Castle company for a few days and I was trying to sort out one that could facilitate adults because they actually don't have insurance at the moment. I'm going to go really off. And this is a... Do it. Yeah. So they have no insurance for any of the Bensie Castles since last summer because the insurance company that insured them all folded and it was UK-based. So I was told this and then I was like, if I'm going to have adults on it, like I definitely need to buy one or rent one that is adult proof because I don't want to break it and then be in the hole a few whatever. Or what if uh, what if Ross trips over and cracks his head open? Yeah, well, that's Ross's problem. But yeah. I'm more worried about the bouncy castle that's here. Right. Too, yeah. <laughs> Ross can look after himself. Yeah, this isn't his first bouncy castle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was like worried about that. And then I texted this. I was like on a bunch of calls that day trying to like organize everything for this shoot. And I texted the woman um, and I went through my phone, like my missed calls or whatever, and I texted her back being like, hey, um, just wondering if you have any bouncy castles that facilitate adults, just really keen to get this for Sunday. And I got a text back a few minutes later saying, this is a DHL driver. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what a weird message to get. <laughs> Do you have any bouncy castles that facilitate adults? I was like, oh, I felt like such a freak. <laughs> uh, so extremely stressful and also just trying to find a place to that fits a bouncy castle and stuff like that. Like, I don't have a garden, so I ended up being able to go to my parents' house. But, um, yeah, it was actually quite, quite stressful getting so a bouncy castle. So the video when, like, it deflates and you're sitting there deflated as well around it, mm. that was probably, like, hugely cathartic at that point, was it? Like, oh, it's beautiful. Also, the fact that it tips my hat off, we all, like, the first time we did it and I did that, we all just died laughing because that wasn't planned. But we were like, it, it happened every single time without fail. The blooper reel for that video is going to be pretty long. Let's fall into routine The romance of watching TV Hearing you 
personal history it is the title track it sure is yeah um album titles did you go through loads no i wrote that song last january or february i think and that was what i wanted the album to be called and that for that for me that song is the kind of linchpin for the album it's what makes it all make sense so i'm imagining like this whiteboard you know this kind of red twine thing and having a million different things but i guess it's probably like a, a a very good watermark for like great cool i have that like that's done yeah i was just like that's the kind of concept of the album and also like it's a debut album so like what is that if it's not a history of myself up till now anyway how do you feel about self-titled albums i've always been a bit confused by them they work for bands I think if I was just to call my album Alva Ready, that would be album ready. See, I said that to you earlier on off mic. And <laughs> I was just like, it, it, that kind of spilled out. And I was like, that's a weird fucking tongue twister. I don't know how, how good I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> album ready. I mean, it would be hilarious. Though, right? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this the other day where I was like, I know my second name is really funny, um, but I've been hearing it my whole life. So I'm just like, that's great. The odd time you get an original one like album ready and it's like, oh, that's pretty good. But, yeah. you know. Every PE teacher ever has made a joke about my name, so... It can be like album number six or something. Yeah, album ready. So on the track here, a very lived-in vocal I've written down here. Um, by that I mean it sounds like, you know, someone who's been through the mill. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, and good and bad. It yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a bit of a Dolores Arden vibe. I also got a bit of a Week of Corners vibe. Um, nice. That kind of like, I, I suppose, not so much classical, but like, you know, kind of a bit more artful or something. A bit more, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Where do you stand? I mean, I asked you around, but like, like sound like comparisons. I mean, like generally good. Uh, like it's, I, I think it's one of those things where as a fucking music writer, especially like coming up in hot press and stuff, like we're mm. always told you got to like throw in sound like comparisons because so that the fucking plebs know. You know, and I guess for like a press release or whatever, you know, it's... You have to put them in, yeah. It's it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. I mean, everyone mm. wants to be like, no, no, I'm completely fucking original, mate, thanks. Nobody is. But yeah, yeah. so you have to be like, oh... Also, you're you know. just f- like facilitating people who read it being like, I like that band, so I'll like this. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like like the UK press releases I get like tend to start off with like FFO, which is like for fans of, and then they'll list like four acts before they even mention your name. Mm. In Ireland, it just tends to be like, here's who this person is. Yeah. But I guess like it's kind of, it is that thing of like I guess if you're like constructing the because I know that you like you basically like you're very DIY right so it's like you would have a big hand in you know what is going out there and, and mm-hmm. what are, are being confronted with for the first time so I, I don't know I mean like I guess it's it's kind of an age old problem because I do see people you know usually on Twitter and on forums and stuff just being like stop doing this it's really disrespectful to the artist but you're kind of like well it's not disrespectful like yeah. as in well like I mean each to their own but for me I don't find it disrespectful I think anything that means someone is going to listen to the music is great and it's just like nobody likes playing the PR game of what's going to help me get this in front of people yeah, yeah. or like pitching like nobody no artist likes pitching themselves or something but it's a absolutely it's part of it's part of the industry and if it helps somebody a fan find you then that's just brilliant like <laughs> there's a lyric here uh, I hung around every word you said Mulholland Drive and Patricia Arquette yeah I'm wondering where that came from because it's I guess it's simultaneously like fucking unreal you know things there. but also I'm like oh is that like one of those like smoking area conversations where someone's just talking at you about movies or? no it was um, my partner at the moment um, but we broke up for a while and that's what when the song was written because I was like I want to get back together with you uh, so <laughs> uh, in that exact voice it was that pathetic but um, 
Yeah, she was, when we first met, she had just seen True Romance, that film of Patricia Arquette, and she was just talking about that film and how much she loved it and how amazing Patricia Arquette was in that film. And then a while later, she got brought me to see Mulholland Drive because it's one of her favourite films. And I remember just thinking at the time that she was super cool and just like new films so much better than I did and had all these like different interests to me. She wasn't into gigs, she was into like theatre and all these kind of kind of bright, uh, widen my horizons, broadened, broadened my horizons. And uh, that's what it was about because I just, you know, when you first meet someone and everything they say is fascinating. That's what it is. Really? Yeah. Is that is that always the case? Because I, I always feel like I'm, I I make a horrific, well, if you like them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I make horrific first impressions, like very very bad. I did with I, you before. No, no, I thought your first impression was top notch. Get in. Yeah. The song is about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that it was kind of like that, and then the I had that lyric, the I don't want to go on dates and hear personal histories. I had that for ages because I remember when we were broken up, just thinking like I don't want to learn about this new person again. I already know you <laughs> yeah so again it's like more admin right it's like life admin yeah yeah i'm just like why would i meet someone new i've done this i've trained yeah. for this i like you and you exist still so let's keep going <laughs> did you like yeah so is that like what came after the the first kind of voice thing that like that was like you know like the please take me back mm, yeah, yeah yeah it was more, me screaming I don't yeah. wanna. a bit more <laughs> assertive yeah 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 out of control the hours between lead singles for the album of course and I guess staying on the subject of movies uh, cinemas have reopened since this song came out Christopher Nolan's Tenet is in there mm-hmm. it's all about playing with time you know like reversals of time and such have you braved the cinema since it's reopened no but I'm looking forward to doing it I probably won't do it for Tenet good call yeah. it's not a good film <laughs> it doesn't seem like something I'd want to see but I'm, I'm sure because I, I used to go to the cinema like once a week so I'm, I'm looking forward to going back but I suppose there's just the anxiety of sitting in a room with other people for two hours yeah it's fairly spaced out though I mean, mm. like, even this is like, is it like this seems fine? You know, there's Mm-mm. a big giant table between us, which is yeah. which is great. You know, yeah. um, so uh, cinema-wise, and you, you mentioned like getting your horizons broadened or whatever uh, with regards to the world of film. I mean, what are your kind of favorites, or do you have any? Like, what are you going to go to? What do you like? Favorite, like favorite films. That's like one of those questions where once the person asks it, you forget every film you've ever seen. Precisely, yeah. Except yeah. for like, you're like Shawshank Redemption because that's the one thing you're not meant to say. Like that's not a, at all even a favorite film. <laughs> that's, that's good. I think like... I, think I started watching Castle Rock, which is... Oh, the Stephen King thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is really, really good. So the first thing off my head was like that film, even though I think I've seen it once like 15 years ago and it's not my favorite <laughs> By even a little bit, it's totally not even my vibe. Yeah, yeah. it's like her favorite film, The Shawshank. Imagine brackets Frank Darabont, nineteen ninety four. It's like saying your favorite band is like Oasis. It's just like very middle of the road. I Um, think we've come. I think we've come back around on Shawshank, though. I I think it's. I think it's genuinely a really good film. But for what? Yeah, for people are finally going to appreciate Shawshank Redemption. It was was this mental thing where, like, for so long, it was just like, ah, yeah, it was a flop at the box office, but everyone bought it on VHS or something, and it was just on every. But it's actually a good film. So Mm. I think think you're allowed to say it's a good. 
favorite villain. Yeah, yeah, it's just definitely not my favorite. Your favorite film here? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I will fight anybody who says it's not the best film ever Ever made. made. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I do you ever listen to that podcast Rewatchables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so good. So I kind of have been listening to that a lot recently. I go through phases of listening because I I find Bill Simmons to be really overbearing, and Mm. also, and I know it comes from The Ringer and Grantland, and therefore, because like one of my friends, I said before to my friend Josh, I was like. I was like, oh, I'm just so fucking sick of the American sports references. And Josh was like, yeah. it's them. It, like that, of course, that's he's like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Like it's it's that's what they do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it, but it's just a bit whatever. But I do go through phases of kind of listening to it. And it I, I love it. it. I think what I love about it is, and it's kind of changed the way I've started viewing cinema because I, I had went through phases of like because everybody loves a bit of trash. Like I love watching like one of my favorite films of all time, just because I grew up watching it was 13 going on 30. Oh yeah. Like it's just so good. I watch it whenever I'm hungover. It makes me be happy and I send my friends who I've known for years, I send them like quotes from it and stuff. But uh the one thing I love about rewatchables is that no matter how like much of a not artsy film it is, they always talk about how great it is. There's never any kind of like, oh this isn't good enough. It's just kind of like I love that this shit film does this and it's like absolutely uh, romantic comedy and that's fine oh yeah there's like yeah. an enthusiasm for the subject for sure 13 going on 30 is getting a bit of a revival moment it's weird it's absolutely sensational yeah the girl who played the young Jenna Rink is massive on TikTok this oh, is, wow. I think this is the only fact I have about TikTok okay. yeah yeah yeah. I don't use TikTok really but as in that's you I've weren't s- invited into that Dublin TikTok house well, I was, but I said no. Yeah, too busy. <laughs> yeah, too busy doing Albums these. Put out, yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've an album to put out. Sorry, guys. They'll have to live without me. But uh, yeah, film, favourite film. Have you ever walked out of a film in the cinema? Maybe if I pivot the question to something a bit less. When I was uh, eight, I think, my sister said that uh, Phone Booth was a really good film to my mom. My mom was like, is it appropriate for Alva to go see? And my, this is my older sister. And um, my, <laughs> Dee was like, eh, yeah, I think so. It's absolutely, like, not in any way appropriate. So I didn't so much walk out as I got dragged out by my mom <laughs> at some point when um, I think someone gets, like, shot in the head or something. And she was like, yeah, cool, let's go home. Yeah, call for our classic there, phone booth. So that's the only time I've walked out. I did almost, I did go to see Cats. Oh, yeah. For fun. Disgraceful. Like, had a few points and I was like, this is going to be so funny. And I did feel like walking out. But I think there was eight people there when we went to see it and... Four people left. Jesus. That's good. I love yeah. the walkout. I love seeing it happen. I love seeing oh, it happen. Oh, it enhances the experience like crazy. I went to see High Rise a few years ago, and which was only okay, but like 10 people walked out. <laughs> and I was like, this is outrageous. It's so dramatic. Actually, during Cats, there are a few people who just went like, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. I mean, I saw it in January, and yeah, I, I had drinks before, during, <laughs> yeah. and after, and I was like, what the fuck? And I know, and I was, I was weeks late to it as well, so I knew what I was going into. Oh, yeah, I was going because I knew it was bad, and yeah. I thought it would be really funny, but oh, my God, it was it was funny for the first, like, half hour, and I then the rest Ill. of it was just like, oh, my God, how are they still introducing each other? We're almost at the end of the film, and they're still making introductions. It's not good. Time difference, though, is good. So, I mean, Thank it's, you. It simultaneously feels like this single was released a week ago and a year ago. How's yes. it for you? Um, I suppose because it was still, it's still kind of getting a bit of play in the UK, so it still feels quite new. But um, yeah, I, I, I actually like the song now more than I did when it went out. I think mm. because I kind of just thought it was, I never thought that that would be one of the big singles. Yeah, it seems like a good shake from like radio and over here and that kind of stuff. I'm seeing it pop up a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it got a lot of um, nice play on BBC Six. It was playlisted there, so that was really nice. They That's were the cool super, one. super receptive. And also, a lot of the DJs absolutely nailed pronouncing my name. Just about to ask, yeah. Incredible. Like, so, so, so good. I was so... It's a really nice thing when that happens, because I'm used to people calling me Albie. Albie. And I... It's fine. 
and that's fine. I'll, I, be I'll take like a that. Blues musician. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, also, a lot of my friends would call me Alv or Alvi. So it just feels over familiar, maybe. Yeah, Al feels a bit like, I don't know, American sitcom or something. Al, yeah. You can call me Al. <laughs> I dream of a distant place, the seaside lull of foreign trains, and your skin waits. The sight, the taste. We obsess about the future. Sometimes waiting feels like torture And I'm just a late bloomer You're not back in a loser The penultimate track on the record, Late Bloomer Do you obsess about the future, Alva? Yes, don't we all? I think, I think I used to, yeah, like I've kind of also always had an anxious uh, feeling towards the future and change and stuff. Because I do find uh, the older I've gotten that you're, at one point everything's the same and then like you hit like 23 years and everything just starts changing. <laughs> and uh, you wonder how you kind of got where you are. So I, I do think about the future a lot. Yeah, I guess it's, like I've said this a million times, but like it's a truism for me. You know, it is that moment when you're young and you realize that everyone older than you is just fucking winging it. And then mm. you're like, oh, okay. But then you have to be the person who starts to wing it. And you're like, this is really hard. Or that children view me as an adult. I don't get that. Yeah. Hilarious. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, when a kid is asking you if they can do something and you're like, I don't know. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I would say yes, but it could be dangerous as well. I don't know. <laughs> this song sounds like it was captured in a church. I'm guessing it wasn't, but it sounds It was like recorded it. in Attica, but oh. yeah, very, uh, it's a beautiful studio with a lot of room. So yeah, it's big, like it bounces around the place mm. and yet is, you know, all kind of kept together. Yeah, it's just like one one take in a room, so. The, uh, the Long Hall Pub gets a shout out here? Yes, yes. Are they back open? No, well, they're a wet pub. Okay, so, so by the time this goes out, they might be back open. They might be back open, yeah. I hope so. That's like one of my favorite pubs. That's where you, I went on a first date. A first date? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, like, do you have a, like, I know Dahi, who's obviously like in a happy relationship these days, but like, mm. Dahi had like a like a first date spot for sure. Like, some people have that. I never fucking know on the rare occasions that I do that. I'm just like, uh, oh God, I didn't plan this properly at all. <laughs> about this place? I don't know. Grand Social, maybe? I always just, I used to always just bring people to places that I liked and a place where I knew that I could, you could just sit, I could get a seat and you could sit there for ages. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. sounds like, like what you just described sounds like, well, of course, but it can actually be a bit of a fucking thing. Like Nightmare, it, yeah, yeah. It's not always like as straightforward as it You might need to seem. have a trustworthy spot, maybe if you know the person behind the bar and then you can sort out, you can make sure that you have a seat, get there a bit ahead of time to get a seat. So what makes the long haul the, the go-to? It's just where I went on a first date with somebody. Uh, and it works. And it worked out. It worked out well. Yeah. All right. Um, it's so cute. Yeah. And I also just love that pub. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you can still go back. There's no, like, you know. Oh, no. Like, I'm still with the person. Oh, okay, so, so, yeah. yeah so, it's quite a nice in, reference. You, like, can't go there ever. Oh, yeah. I would never, like, I think uh, when we did break up for a while, and I think I'd walk by it and be like, <laughs> Yeah. I can't go to Frank Ryan's anymore ever yeah. again. You know, when you're in the middle of a breakup and you're super, like, melodramatic about it? <laughs> I was at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go back there. Yeah. Uh, maybe that ties into the next one. I mean, like, Late Bloomer here, like, uh, how big is your arrested development complex? And the whole, you know, as you say, like, you know, kids referring to you as adults and so oh, on. Oh, yeah, I'm a complete child. I actually think I'm going backwards. Like, oh, yeah. I used to really think I had everything together when I was, like, 22. And I'm now 28, turning 29 at some point. And I just, I just want to be, like, 21 again, interrailing. And I think lockdown has made that worse. Sure. 
I'm very much like, why am I just like traveling all the time? And like, why do I have to even have any fixed abode at all? Bills? What the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah ooh. Uh, at least I'm still like uh, pay as you go on my phone. Oh, That's I'm like same. my use. Yeah. I, I did like I went to meet Sarah Quirk and actually to give her a lift somewhere a while ago and my phone ran out of credit, which is such an embarrassing thing when it happens and you're like, oh, sorry, I couldn't I make it. It happened during interviews. I had it happen when I was trying to get the fucking dole there recently. Uh, and I was like, well, this is, this is kind of ironic, isn't it? And it's like, awful explaining it because you'd rather just be like, my phone like combusted or something than say I ran out of credit. I know. I remember I was out one night in the in the garage bar, may it rest in peace, and I, I can't remember how I revealed it, but I mentioned, you know, Oh yeah, and no, I've got like a credit phone, and like the lads were just disgusted. They were like, "Child's phone? You have a child's phone?" And mm. I was like, "No." I was like, "I don't want another fucking bill, even though it exactly." Is a bill. I was like, "I want to be in control of this." But I pay the bill when I want. when I want to yeah. pay it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, okay, so when I was like, I got my first job out of college, and I was like twenty one, and I got into a bill pay thing for like a two years or something, and it was hell, and they kept overcharging me, and it was impossible to get out of. So I was yeah. like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Keep it down, like, fuck that. I like. regret it, like, once a year when I run out of credit and I'm somewhere I need to be and I can't. And you also realise how absolutely useless you are. Like, I don't know any of my friends' numbers off by heart. I don't even know some of their addresses. I just know the vague area where they live or whatever. So you just realise you're completely useless if just you don't have a phone. Like, throw stones at random windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually ended up in the rain. It was, like, last Wednesday and it was torrential. I remember it was, like, flooding. I was standing outside what I thought was her apartment in the rain being like, Sarah, Sarah, at nine o'clock in the morning and went, managed to get into her apartment block, was banging down the door that I thought was her. I've only been in her new apartment once and then went back out and then some old man came to the window and was like, go away. There's no Sarah here. <laughs> yeah, I'd just been screaming at his apartment window for like two, uh, maybe 20 minutes. Incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much older than you, Alva, so I, I still feel like a child. Like it hasn't gone away. It, yeah. It has gotten worse, I think, yeah. I figured out like a few things, but there's a few things I really have to crack, like... How do you budget and stuff like that? Just just a few of the big things. Oh, the basics kill me. I mean, you're, and then you're like, I can't ask this question. I mm. should have learned this when I was six. All my skills are like really specific niche things, like to do with music probably. But if yeah. it's anything useful or that I absolutely need, I'm like, I don't know. What is health insurance? I don't know. Well, don't worry. You live in a country that supports that. so <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Such a safety net. Self-improvement, it's the last track on the record. How satisfying is it when you're you're finally locking in the sequence tracks and it's done and you have one to ten and it's 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 there. I have it now. Yeah, pretty satisfying. Yeah. And I that kind of came together easily when we went, me, uh, Erlen Cooper and Tommy McLaughlin, who uh, co-produced it, um, we sat down in the studio on the first day and just went through and it kind of just fell together, like the start track and the final track. But that was always going to be the last track. 
Because it just made sense. Yeah. I mean, like, is it also, you know, like, I guess playing around with the kind of, you know, the big kind of shout along cavernous vocal thing and just, is it a case of like, I could just go all day messing around (laughs) with this thing and just like playing different effects and different kind of pathways? Because it does feel very, it feels like a very open-ended way to end the record. Yeah. Well, I I suppose it's kind of natural to kind of want to end it that way. That was just the way the song kind of lent itself. I did kind of, I didn't know if, I didn't think it was going to end in that direction. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a track I played on my own and leave it really nice and quiet or whatever, but it kind of felt good to go that direction, to have that big explosive ending. Yeah, um, there's a line here, in, like it's uh, off the meds again in just a few months till I can't cope again, till I'm unraveling, which I think is one of those things that anyone who's you know been on antidepressants or whatever can relate to or anyone yeah. who struggles in general. I mean, again, it goes back to the idea of like the idea of like catharsis through struggle. Mm. And I mean, is there a sense of victory, I guess, in, in putting a line like that on paper mm. and being that honest about it and having it here couched, you know, in the closing moments of your debut? Is that a moment of personal triumph or is it just also, I just wrote that that day. I mean, like, is there, is there? No, no, I'd or? written that like, a, oh, I had that lyric of rages, actually. You're very good at honing in lyrics. Um, Gotta do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose I was a bit scared about putting that in there if I'm honest, and I, I suppose I usually am just like, probably no one will notice, so I just throw stuff in. Uh, and it's kind of nice when someone does, but yeah, kind of. I think that whole song is meant to be kind of triumphant because it's talking about me struggling and watching other people just seem to be able to, I think there's another lyric in it that talks about like being happy seems, seems to come really easy to some people and I find it difficult. So the end bit that says like, I've accepted all these difficulties and that's great. And that yeah. actually makes me stronger, not weaker. Uh, being vulnerable is a good thing. Absolutely. So that's, it kind of starts off at that low point of being like, I don't know what I'm doing and life is so difficult. And the end of it is just like, actually all those things, accepting those things about yourself is a massive success. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, as someone who was like fucking prescribed meds for the first time, literally half my life ago at this stage, mm. a line I thought was always going to jump out. Yeah, but yeah. It does feel like, you know, and I'm not like, I'm not having on meds for ages. Mm. Uh, I went through a period of not being on them for forever and then went back on them. And yeah. I had this whole philosophy with them where I was like, I don't want to be on meds uh, because I want my best day to be my own best day and my worst yeah. day to be my own worst day. But sometimes, you know, you're like, I sometimes can't. Sometimes you just can't do those. And I've got days, yeah. friends who like couldn't function without them, mm. you know, and it's, mm. it's a whole fucking, it's a whole minefield for, it, again, it comes down to the individual. But I do think, I think it's great that that, that that's there. I, I think that's great that that's mm. on the page. I think it's a really Thank nice, you. you know, kind of, I think it's putting trust, it's putting trust in the listener, it's putting trust mm. in himself. And like, it's, uh, like, it's, it, I'm like, listen, this isn't like the, the Jerry Springer moment where I'm like, it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> or, like, or there's no shame in it or whatever, because yeah. unfortunately there still is some stigma bullshit. But like, yeah, I mean, like, that's one of those life moments, right? Where but, you're, you're like, fuck it, I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm better off for this. I'm better but off. also like for me, putting that lyric in, like what what saying like going off them again is I think as you're saying anyone who's been on uh, antidepressants or any kind of medication of that ilk uh, you go on them and then you feel better if you're lucky uh, you feel better and then you're like oh I don't need these and then you go off them and And then it's a nightmare and uh, like so many times in my kind of early to mid 20s I had that experience and felt like oh god I've really why can't I just do this and that's actually fine because sometimes you just need them and you'll find a balance eventually whether that's staying on them permanently or whatever and maybe that'll take a few years maybe it'll take like a decade or two but you will get there on them and they're like by the way for the first two weeks like this might just exacerbate everything to such a degree and I'm like sorry what you're gonna feel hella dizzy (laughs) you might want to kill yourself and it's like whoa I thought the whole point of this was and they're like yeah but just two weeks you know Mm. I'm like what what the fuck is that yeah Um, someone said to me the other day like uh, why is Dave being so bad to Dave um how are you generally in terms of looking after and engaging with the self? 
Um, I've definitely gotten better and I've, I've definitely mellowed out a bit and I definitely take better care of myself than I used to, which is a good thing. Um, and I usually, when I'm thinking negatively about myself, I'm just like a therapist years ago told me uh, to put myself in a friend's shoes. Like she actually said Ross, <laughs> but she was saying, uh, shoes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but saying like these negative things that you were saying about yourself, if it was your friend who told you this, would you think that about them? My therapist told me this last week. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah where you're yeah. like, say if I'm talking about, she's just like, okay, so if Dave was telling you that he was such an idiot because he missed a job interview because he slept in, would you just be like, yeah, you are worthless? Yeah. Or would you just be like, everybody makes those mistakes. Don't worry about it. And yeah. I was like, well, I'd say the second thing. And then she was just like, why not be as nice to yourself? And I have to do that with myself constantly. It's extremely constantly. hard. It's extremely hard. Some days it's easy to logic out of it. And other days it can be harder, but you just have to like fake it until you believe it. And some days it's like almost like an attractive weapon where you're like, fuck it, I'm going to totally go for this. Like, yeah. does it just makes sense. And I can totally use this against mm. myself. Yeah, it's never any kind of a quandary, I suppose. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like, is that like putting that into into action, putting that into music and using it to, to scream out your debut? Mm. Like, <laughs> was that always the plan or did it come naturally? It kind of came naturally, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put too much thought behind it. That, that's just where the songs went. Yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no vision board for the for the album. It's just um, I had all these songs and I've been writing them for a few years, uh, and that's the direction the album went because I suppose those are the things I'm interested in. Like I'm really interested in figuring out how like other people tick, and I'm really interested in figuring myself out. I guess a little bit less, but uh, probably quite a lot. So that is just where the album went. I think that's just kind of naturally went that direction. Finally, you're releasing this on the same day as Slipknot frontman Corey Taylor releasing his own debut album. I know. In which he's gone very throwback rock, you know, very kind of like, you know, over the top, ostentatious that way. That's how I describe my album, this over the top thing, and ostentatious. I, mean, like, I assume when you when you, <laughs> when you learned about this, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, that's like my core fan base the same is album. the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's uh, not, I think it's a nice feather in your cap, you know. Like here, here I am, and also you can listen to this thing afterwards. You know, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll support me on the second. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one too. All right, listen. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Well Thank you so much. Done. And thanks for chatting about it. By the way, I hope this wasn't too too much of a. It was a delight. Awesome. Yeah. All right. The album is Personal History, and it's out on October the second, which could be when this podcast is out because I don't know when it's coming out yet. <laughs> Beautiful. Around the rough time. So yeah, I'll be ready. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks once again to the great Alvaretti for the time and for the insight. Personal History is out right now, and I encourage you to check it out. Maybe pick it up on beautiful vinyl. Support independent artists at a time when they greatly need it. You can support us here too at No Encore over on Patreon at patreon.com slash noencore if you appreciate what we do. Your support is hugely appreciated right back. It's my hope to do more episodes like this, uh, where and when possible. Availability is always a factor, as is interest towards a specific artist or album. We'll see how we go. Stay tuned for an in-depth breakdown of Go Bravely, the debut mixtape from Denise Chyla, with both Denise and Merley on the microphone for that one. That's coming very soon. Let me know what you think of this format, by the way, if it works, if it doesn't work, if I'm terrible, if the artists are good, and I should just be locked out of the studio instead. You know, it's all good. But for now, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore, and we'll be back real fast. Zoom. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.